When life is difficult, Samaritans are here. Day or night, 365 days a year. You can call them for free on 116 123. Email them at joe at or visit Whatever you're facing, the Samaritans are here to listen. Welcome to the Beer Podcast. My name is Nick Mins. Uh, back on our new season now, since it's season three. Um, lucky today to be joined uh, by Mel from Men at Mountains on Instagram. Uh, been really excited to, to do this podcast. Um, seemed like the ideal guest for a new series as well. So Mel, thanks very much for joining us today. You're really welcome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for asking me. I say, well, I you know, say we, you know, I came on your on your Instagram page did a live, which I say I really, really enjoyed. But some of you know, some of the stuff that you put out on your um Instagram page just every day, like normally go through all the, the little stories that you're putting out, all the little uh, posts, and I think it's just brilliant what you're doing for for kind of blokes, really. It's 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 great. Thank you. Yeah, I have I have quite a few women follow the page, but I think the percentage is 80% men and 20% women which to me was great because even though it's um, aimed at men's mental health a lot of the, the same pages are still followed by a lot of women and that's great because they want to help their guys in their lives so it's you know it has a great domino effect um, but I'm humbled by the amount of men that actually follow the page so so I think, you know, what was it that really kind of started you thinking about doing something aimed at blokes, really, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's not to say that I expect you because you're a woman to aim things at females, but, um, yeah, what, what was it that kind of thing you to kind of centre it more around men? Yeah, it's quite usual, unusual for um, a woman to be running just a men's mental health page aimed at men. Um, I started... Um, openly um, putting out on my, my personal social media about my struggles. I've been going through a really bad run um, with my own mental health. And I just started openly talking about my, my own struggles. And I started getting lots of inbox by male friends, um, you know, friends of friends, saying that they felt I had nowhere to sort of a safe space that they could actually talk about their feelings or or were finding it hard to open up to their wives, their girlfriends, their partners, their friends. And it just sort of clicked, you know, maybe I could actually give something back and and just run the, you know, put this Instagram page up. I had no idea that it was going to take off how it was. If I could help a few guys um, to open up, then brilliant. But it's it's recently, it's it's like really increased in, in followers and yeah, I I think because everyone thought I was a really strong woman um, and had a perception of me being who I am, 
when I started open up about my struggles, they had absolutely no idea that I was going through what I was. So I think it just helped um, sort of bring a divide to you know cross that divide between men and women. That you know we you know I can help guys, I can nurture men, um, and also a lot of men feel like it's okay to talk to me as well, which I find. I felt a bit weird at first. I thought, why me? Why why did men feel comfortable talking to me? But you know, for some reason they do. Do you have any idea why that might be or a circus? Don't know. I saying that I, I think men need that nurturing side. I think a lot of men um don't necessarily get that, and not necessarily from their partners, but I think we live in such a busy world now that and and We'll probably talk about this later. The stigmas around men's mental health—they don't necessarily want to open up to their closest people because they—they they want to be that rock. They want to be the strength of the family, and I still think there is a stigma there, mainly from men, because they don't want to feel that they're they're weak, and they class as that that might be um, a weakness in their family roles. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I, 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 you know, from from speaking to you myself, doing the labs, and you know, I think if anything, you you just come across like a a genuine person, and I think that that genuineness really kind of, I think, shines through. And then when you kind of talk to you, you're nice and understanding, you're nice and calm. And I think men, especially, I think they're, they're always looking for someone to speak to, kind of uh, from from a point of view with someone who's struggled with things. It's someone who's just willing to listen and willing to give yeah. time. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes predominantly more, it's seen that women are better listeners than men, you know, most yeah. of the time. Uh, whether, you know, whether or not that's a, a, a true fact or not is, you know, I suppose it's yeah. up to people's perceptions. But that's something that definitely strikes when I speak to you is that, you know, you are listening and even when they're watching your lives and you can tell that you're absorbing all that information and you're listening into everything that they're saying and then the feedback that you're giving as well. I think, it, it you know, that that's how I kind of, of, of see it when, you know, that's probably why they're, they're reaching out to you. So touched on it a little bit when you started talking. So you talked about uh, some of the issues that you've um, kind of gone through. If you don't mind uh, sharing a few things, uh, what when did things kind of start for you, Mel? Um, well, I had anxiety, like really, I had really bad panic attacks in my twenties. I was working for the Ministry of Defence. I had a really high-profile job, um, but during that time, I was always naturally very skinny. Um, I was like a twiglet. I was so skinny, and I worked in a very male-oriented environment. Um, and I was started getting sort of bullied at work. Um, you know, they thought I was anorexic when I wasn't. I'd sit and eat my lunch and I'd eat a lot. I would have a fast metabolism. And I think in hindsight, if I'd actually started sticking up for myself, I could have um, sort of battled the anxiety a lot earlier. Um, but I kept it inside. I didn't talk about it anybody um mainly through embarrassment really because I'd already always struggled with my weight um of not being able to gain it um everyone thought that was amazing it wasn't for me but everyone thought I was the lucky one 
so the anxiety attack started happening and I ended up taking a lot of time off of work because I've signed off on a doctor they were debilitating anxiety attacks um I'd want to sleep like for two days after having one and I was having up to about three or four a day at one point and they lasted a good couple of years but I you know I carried on going into work when I could physically and mentally do that commuting to London I'd have panic attacks on the tube on the train um in supermarkets it was yeah it was a tough time but at that time there wasn't a lot um there was no social media at the time for starters um I wasn't even didn't even have an email address so this was way before the internet and yeah I sort of muddled through myself by myself um and after that you know I had a good run you know I left my job I got actually got paid off by the Ministry of Defence which says everything about how they treated me um, they gave me a payoff because they want, wanted me to go quietly. Um, and I suppose at that time, I never really dealt with it. I just sort of pushed myself, thought I'll go traveling. This is the start of, of a, you know, something new for me. And I did that, came home, quite quickly got pregnant, had my son. But this was like 20 odd years ago. Um, and yeah, sort of was then OK. Didn't actually have any more panic attacks. Um, and had my children, went back to work. And then all of a sudden I then started suffering with chronic pain um, in my foot. And that in itself, it's, 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 it's something so simple. Like I have no cartilage left in my right foot. So I've literally got bone running on, on my toe joints. Um, it's just bone running, rubbing on bone. Um, there's nothing really they can do. I've had steroid injections, I've had podiatry appointments, anything you can name, I've been there, done it. Um, but they put, started putting me on tramadol and to ease the pain so I wasn't sleeping. If anyone's suffered with chronic pain before, the sleep deprivation and the cycle that you're in, um, there's no let up. Um, so I'd be in pain at work, I'd get home, I'd be crying, um, just dealing with the mind to body, um, trying to switch off was really, really hard. And um, I started getting addicted to tramadol. Um, I was taking, I was on about 800 milligrams a day. So I was taking two tablets four times a day and on 70 milligrams of amitriptyline, which is a nerve blocker. Yeah, yeah. But my mental health was then um, deteriorating quite quickly. Um, I didn't want to, I was too scared to leave the house because the pain, you know, even walk, walking properly, I started limping. Um, my left leg started to bow because I was putting all pressure on my left hand side. Um, I ended up losing my job due to, again, sickness because, it, you know, I was going on, I was at work with um, on the tramadol, so on, you know, I couldn't even function. Um, and at that time, I also was in an abusive relationship, so it just everything got on top of me, and I really didn't want to be here anymore. It really got to the point where I had to peel myself off the floor to, 
even yeah to survive if that makes sense yeah yeah it was a hor- horrible time so that's kind of like it's i suppose it's uh this there's so many like these multiple things there which are affecting you all at once and, yeah. I, and I know I know from experience how dangerous being on tramadol can be I mean I, I had a, a slip disc in or a ruptured disc in my back in my 20s um and my doctor at the, you know doctors at the time just basically just give me loads of meds yeah. I mean I was on about seven different meds for my back at one point and one of them was tramadol um and I think I was on 15 milligram twice a day. So I was, I mean, I was on about 400 milligrams a day. Yeah. Um, but I remember getting to the end of my cycle of, of taking them and thinking, right, my pain's not too bad now. I'll stop them. And then yeah. I just stopped taking them. And yeah. then the day after um, I was, I had cold sweats. I felt sick and I just didn't know what was going on. I rung my doctor and I said, you know, I've got these cold sweats and I don't know what's going on. I feel shaky. You know, I feel real emotional. You know, my pain's coming back. You know, and he just said, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't, don't just stop taking them. Yeah, You've got to wean yourself off them because they're actually kind of quite addictive. You know, like any sort of painkiller, mm-hmm. really." Yeah, the, there was a pan, panorama documentary on prescription medication epidemic we have in this country, and like yourself, um, Nick. I was prescribed tramadol and after researching after you know doing my research after I was on them it should never be prescribed for long-term use never I mean you know most people have tramadol because they've either been in an accident um they're given either either or morphine um in hospital after accidents or for as you said like things like back pain and severe pain but I was on these things for two years and they just kept up in my dose. Um, the doctor even said, I'll oh, come off tramadol and give you liquid morphine. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to function with two children? I'm a single parent of two children. How am I meant to you know, take them to school and go to work and, and function on, on this? And I stupidly did the cold turkey off of them. I nearly died. And as you said, the, the the cold sweats, the crawling in your skin, it was so f- mentally and physically debilitating. Um, and I remember the, the day like it was yesterday, and I'll never forget it, where I was on literally on the bathroom floor and I was sort of tricked into taking more of my meds by my abuser. Um, and just luckily I got that moment of clarity and I ch- literally just flushed them all down the toilet um and I, I did the cold turkey that day started it and it was it was horrendous absolutely horrendous but thank god someone was looking after me that day because I don't think I would have um been here yeah so you've uh, you you know you've touched on um a little bit that like you were in a like abusive relationship as well yeah. um was that going on along the side, the um, the kind of issues with your foot yeah. along that, that time as well? Yeah, yeah, I was in a lot of pain. I had, you know, he'd support me. It was a very narcissistic relationship. He was the nicest guy to everybody that knew him. He didn't have anybody apart from me. So the pressure that was always 
put on myself was that I've got nobody else apart from you Mel and and that will always stay with me and he'd spit me out reel me back in you know say that or be absolutely loving and caring one moment but then really dangerous the next and yeah it I used to call Tuesdays terror Tuesdays because I used to go to work with a friend and from that moment I went to work with her um I got abused by texts phone calls constantly uh, I'd get home I'd be scared to come home because he was living with us at the time and then he'd turn it all back on me if anyone knows about narcissists that and coercive control um, they're very clever and I don't believe he would have been able to do what he did with me if I hadn't been in that position myself with the chronic pain and on the medication I think me as me now I wouldn't have put up with it um, but he scared the living daylights out of me and yeah it was luckily enough, Nick, that um, I say this, um, but it got me out of it. He became physical and he smashed a full length mirror over me um, because I called the police um, on him. I wanted to get him out of the house. Again, the clarity, I just thought I need to end this. Um, and that was the day that I could then start building myself back up again. Get Mel back. Yeah, get Mel. Yeah, get get you back. I mean, and I've never really kind of looked into anything like narcissistic abuse until one of my friends' um, wives came came on the podcast earlier on, um, and she she talked about what she'd gone through, and and it it was it was almost kind of quite shocking to see because yeah. just they have this almost like complete false persona, um, to everyone else. But then they play so many emotional man games with people. It almost makes you feel trapped, doesn't it? No, oh, you back. I'll get back on there. There we go. So yeah, sorry about that little blip in the uh, in the internet. Good old internet round here at the minute. So yeah, narcissistic abuse has been something that I've been almost quite shocked to kind of read into and yeah. see. And it, and it, and also it's quite, it's quite disturbing to see like when you actually look into it, how predominant it actually is. It is really kind of something that's happening quite regularly. Um, yeah. So you've obviously gone through the things with your, your chronic pain. So when you started kind of turning things around and um, what sort of kind of help did you start seeking? Um, I contacted my doctors after the I did the cold turkey and after obviously um, the, the abuse actually stopped um, I went into I'd started CBT therapy and as soon as we started um, with the trauma as well as you know obviously the um, association with your mind and chronic pain as well so it was a mixture of the two. But as soon as I started the CBT, they realized that I needed next level therapy. So um, I still did the course on CBT. And there was a, I can't remember what it was called, something cloud, which is like a, you go online every day and you set goals for yourself. I did a lot of journaling and I also started the gym. Um, I hadn't stepped 
done any exercise since I stopped swimming in, when I was 17. Um, so I went back to the gym and started working out and I realized, oh my God, I'm capable of doing this, like this chronic pain. I mean, I'm still in pain every single day. Um, I still have to battle that every single day, but I'm not going to let it stop me doing anything anymore. And I think when you get in that cycle within the chronic pain, you um, stop doing the things you love, you enjoy because you're too scared to. Um, but even sitting down watching the TV, I was in pain. So I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I can still be active. So it was just finding something that worked for myself. Um, I lift heavy weights. Um, I still can't run, obviously. I do have difficulty walking sometimes. And I, I do get people looking at me thinking, oh, you know, you can go to the gym. You can't be in that much pain. But I've worked my mind so hard and my physically getting back to myself. I'm, I'm not going to ever give up. So, um, yeah, journaling, reading, anything wellness, getting out in nature really helps as well. I love hiking. Again, I will put myself in a position where I almost cripple myself. I know that sounds terrible, but <laughs> the enjoyment I get out of walking beats that aftermath of it. And I, because I'm stronger, um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't advocate it to anybody, but because I'm stronger mentally now, I can't, I feel like I can cope with those few days where I can't, I'm crippled again, if that makes sense. I suppose it almost feels like it's worth it in a way, you know, yeah. that little bit of pain sometimes yeah. you know can be just where where like what you get out of it at the end of the day and sometimes it's yeah like, I suppose it's almost like a bit of a a journey of discovery as well like if I don't push that barrier with things yeah. then I'm never going to know what I can do or what I'm capable of or yeah you know. so do you know when you walk do, do you walk with a gait or limp or is it just no I was I had crutches feet for about a year and then I again my body my posture was really you know being affected you know as I said my left leg was starting to bow because of the thing so I have actually trained myself to just walk normally again um if that makes it's yeah, it's really yeah. strange but because of the gym I've got so much strength in my body now um, where I didn't have that before. I mean, I must be probably two stone heavier than I was when I first started. I don't look any bigger. Well, I do look bigger, but I'm I'm solid, if that makes sense. Yeah, before yeah. I was so skinny that, yeah, so, and that's built my confidence up so much as well, going to the gym. Um, walking in there the first day, I was dying inside. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was horrible, but I've... I, you overcome these steps you have to put yourself out of your comfort zones and you know I'm still learning I'm still fighting um I don't believe that I'm ever going to be free of a mental health struggle if that makes sense um but I don't get as down as I used to I still have days where I don't want to get out of bed um the suicide side of things I you know I do want to be here now. Um, you know, I don't feel that anymore either. Um, but it, it has been hard. The thing, I suppose it, you know, if it, I suppose if it wasn't hard, then you, you know, sometimes you kind yeah. of think if, like life can, I suppose in a way like that, 
you know, life can be quite easy for some people that they don't ever kind of learn life lessons or they, they don't have this kind of journey of self-belief. And like like you said, then, I mean, I'm, I'm under the same presumption that, you know, I'm living with a mental health, you know, issue. And that will probably be, you know, it'll probably be something that I'd have to deal with for the rest of my life. But it's just, be you know, understanding it more and, and, and living with it. I mean, like I explained it to a friend of mine yesterday who was talking um, and I'd said, the thing is for like, you know, the past like nearly, nearly 30 years, I've probably struggled with anxiety and, you know, for at least the last like 20 years, I've struggled with depression. So if it's taken 20 years for me to get help, it's not like six months is just going to cure me. It's going to even, you know, even if it took that long to get, it, but you know, it's got to be something that I'm just going to have to just learn to to deal with, and yeah, I think, I think sometimes there's a lot of you know emphasis put on get if you if you have um you know like therapy and meds and stuff, then you're cured and you're better. I think I think the you know the realization now needs to be look, you will have to live with it. However. It doesn't, it doesn't determine who you are and what you can do. You've just got to kind of learn that them days are going to come where you, like you say, like where you kind of feel like you just don't want to get up and, you know, you feel really low. But then those days will be replaced by days where you feel good and you've just got to make the most of them days. In them bad days come, you just ride the, you know, you just ride it out and you go again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. I think that you, the first step you take is, is the accountability taking accountability for you know that things have changed try to adapt and 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 putting some action behind it as well and finding you know grasping those things back that you used to love maybe adapt them into things that you maybe can you know different things you can do as well um but also you know just not being so hard on yourself um just you know being kinder to yourself, self-care is so important and the simplest things can be um, the most satisfying, you know, but you know, find, find something that you like to do and, and do it consistently. Um, and I still, I do, I go to the gym five times a week, you know, without it, I don't know how bad my mental health would be, but that's not going to suit everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, walking might not suit everybody. Journaling might not suit everybody, but it's just finding things that you enjoy doing and what works for you. There's no one size fits all solution. And I, I like just going back to what you said, Nick, is that you go to therapy and you have medication. That again doesn't suit everybody, and it's the aftermath of when that all stops that you literally just left out in the wild again. So these like-minded conversations that we have the podcast that are and and the support groups there for men and women um and the charities that do the amazing job they're the people that are continuing to support people after the you know my doctor um really doesn't listen to what I say now you know I'm literally I've had my therapy I've had that you know if I go down again I'm hoping that, that I I would be able to get more support there's such long waiting lists now and you know it doesn't just stop there you know but I think that's up to us as well to to go out and find it so the accountability side is so so important you can't just lay there and 
do nothing about it. Do you feel that was like the biggest step that you did kind of like, if you're like going to the doctors and asking for, for help? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously they knew that I was suffering with my, or struggling with my mental health through my chronic pain. Um, but the, the day that obviously I didn't want to be here. And I remember ringing my doctor because I had another sort of episode after that where I just, you know, I just sat at the, a, a ro- the road on my bike and I just thought if I just cycle in front of this lorry, no one's going to, you know, it'll be over quickly. But then, you know, again, the clarity came and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, um, I've had a trauma since then, which I've, I'm dealing with now, still now, but it's it's so hard still to talk about that. So I, again, I'm taking accountability and responsibility and knowing that I need to work at that, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and I suppose just the fact that you've done that straight away is, I suppose, a, um, an acknowledgement that you've also learned that, you know, when, because sometimes it's easy enough to say things, but like my wife always says to me, sometimes you have to practice what you preach. And I'm yeah. one of the worst ones for kind of giving out all the advice, but not following my own. Yeah. So for the fact that you've been able to to recognize that that trauma's come, it's going to take a bit of a, a hit on your mental health. So you just need to take time, take accountability for it and just work on it. I mean, I've, I, I mean, I've, I've come back now, but, basically since kind of like January I had a really bad time after Christmas and it, it kind of took me a good four or five weeks to get myself into a place where I felt kind of comfortable coming back on and on yeah. and everything but I suppose one of the things I was most pleased of is that I was able to recognize the signs that things were really starting to dip and I was able to say look I need a, I need a rest I just need to take a step yeah. back because before I would have just plowed through it kept going and then I'd have been in a worse situation you know probably a few months down the line so for the fact that you've been able to recognize that shows that you you know that you've learned along the way and you're able to kind of recognize which I think is great really for anybody who listens to this is to kind of listen to your body and listen to listen to what it's saying because sometimes your body can be saying things and you can just put the blinkers on and just ignore it and just be like nah nah we keep going you know it's sometimes I know with me it was a pride thing of thinking no I need to keep going I'm a dad I'm this I'm that you know I need to I need to be there for everybody and you know it doesn't always work like that sometimes if you're not in in the best frame of mind or the best shape you can be then you're not going to be there for people anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if we, if, when we learn and we get past that stage where, you know, especially with depression and stuff, you've debilitated with it. But then when you start taking actions for yourself and that accountability, all those things that you put, put in place, those like foundations will help pull you out a lot quicker in your next episode if that makes sense because you identify it like you said and as I said the consistency of doing those things will help you in times to come um you know I lost my mum within that time as well and the grieving process is like no other um is you know but I because I've already put those things in place I've not gone 
completely backwards. It obviously is hindered and it's with me every day. Um, but without those, I don't, you know, again, I probably wouldn't be here to talk about it. So, yeah. um, and as we said, like at the beginning, when I, when I first came on, was that, you know, I'm having a good run at the moment. Um, I never get complacent with it and I won't ever get complacent with it. Yeah, totally. um, <laughs> I have to keep working hard. Um, but no, as you said, knowing when you can just take time out. Um, you know, digital detoxes are so important. Um, detoxing away from them, stripping life back, knowing what's important. I live quite a simple life. I will never be financially secure because of the time I have had to take out of like career and with my work and still my confidence in doing a nine to five job. I don't think I'll ever be able to do it again. Um, that's something I can still hopefully work on. So there's still still lots of things to, to, to keep, you know, fighting against. I'm just very fortunate that I can do the work I do at the gym um, and do the hours when they suit me. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously I do my set days and my set hours as well, but those other days, it's up to me whether I, when I go in, if I'm having a bad day, I know I can do the hours the next day, if that makes sense. So I'm very, very fortunate to not have that pressure of, of waking up thinking, right, I've got to get to work and I'm not, mentally strong enough to do that then then i don't but most people yeah. don't have that that opportunity as i said that's something i still need to work work on and hopefully in the future my confidence will be better and, and my strength will be better to be able to handle that the thing is i think like you said i mean for the fact that you're able to kind of you've you, like you've got your set days but you know, for a fact that there's that thing in place where if you yeah. are mentally up to it, you can make them hours up. You won't be, you know, you won't be able to do that in a nine to five job. Well, in the majority yeah. of companies, because unfortunately, I just don't think that a lot of companies, big companies, they like to kind of sell. We're we're aware of you know mental health, aware and all this lot. I I think sometimes the everything is so driven by you know if you like, I mean. They call it, you know, like the the um, goals or KPIs and yeah. stuff. Sometimes that I think just fuels things too that much that the loose sight of of you know what you know people are going through and, and individuals are, are kind of going through at, at times. Yeah, I mean, I've I've worked with people who have, have been going through things, and even while I've been kind of going through it myself I've tried to kind of talk to them about it and put things in place for them um but then in my head I've I've kind of realized that you know I I haven't exactly been in the in in the best state of mind to kind of do, to kind of do that at the yeah. time I was I was in a place where I was in complete denial about what was going on but I knew that I I'd seen similarities what people were doing but you know, even even when I was like team leader, manager, it wasn't well thingy to me like what you should do if someone goes through, you know, yeah. showing things of mental, yeah, you know, mental health issue. Yeah, I mean, back back in the day when I was in my twenties, you know, working for the ID, there was there wouldn't have been no support. There was no support for my mental health then. I think things are slightly changing, um, where you know, 
you know, if you need a mental health day, it should be classed the same as a physical health day. If you're poorly, you've got a cold, cough, whatever. Um, and you, or you're, you've got an ache and pain or you break your leg exactly the same as when you break your head, as in your mind, you know. Um, some companies are having mental health first aiders within their companies, which is good, but there's still a long way to go. And because I think my both my previous experiences and, you know, with the job I had after my kids, when I went back after my kids were born, and obviously the Ministry of Defence is still that trauma associated with not having the support and feeling and being told that I've let people down because I'm not well. Um, you know, that has stuck with me a little bit, but that's up to me now to get over it. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed, that more people are getting more support within the workplace and schools as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, know. I, I'm, I'm, I totally think that, in the, there needs to be more done in schools you know it's I think I think it, you know like we you know you meant you kind of touched on it at the beginning about the stigma I still yeah. think you know there's still a stigma that is around um you know mental health whether or not you know that stigma will ever, ever be able to be beaten is I suppose sometimes you kind of look at it and it's probably more a society the way that it yeah. looks at it more than anything. I don't think I think you know a lot of individuals are are quite understanding, but I think uh, you know like a friend of mine said that you know if he um, he don't want to say nothing to his mum about what he's going through because yeah. if his mum fan you know his, his mum's going through some stuff and you know his dad's kind of like an old school geezer he'll just be like yeah. you know yeah, I just shut up and get on with it but, you know there's, there's still that sort of mentality is that look you know admitting it admitting anything's wrong is a weakness it makes you a weak person like weak you meet a weak man um but I definitely think you know just some kind of um I suppose you know just the information for kids and that sort of for them to be able to recognise things from an early age, it'd be far more beneficial. Because, so, I mean, some of the stats are, are quite scary with, like, where youngsters are concerned. And, I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got four lads and my eldest is 16, this, you know, in April, and my youngest is seven, uh, six. So, do you know, I've got a 10-year-old and a, and a 15-year-old in between that as well. And I know my 10-year-old's gone through some really bad, things with you know anxiety and feeling anxious in himself um but i just it's not like i expect him to talk about things in great detail but i think it should be more of a curricular based thing at an earlier age than later on yeah it's all about understanding isn't it nick mm. and i know that young minds they're trying to get those hubs um sorted where literally throughout the whole of the uk there's hubs where children and young you know teenagers can go to talk about their mental health and you know we've got all these wonderful um phone lines and stuff but that's not necessarily you know there needs to be a safe place for them to be able to go as well yeah and then always be able to, to make a phone call at home it might be the home life that's causing their problems so i think these hubs are so so important and you know when like I've worked in schools before and the the emphasis on the children that are exceeding 
is is all it's always you know the ones that are bright the ones that are are, are getting the higher marks are always the ones that are um celebrated within the school and i've seen it firsthand and I, again i know things are changing you know why should a child that's not that's more creative not be recognized because they haven't got 10 out of 10 on the maths exam and that's just an example you know I've seen it my daughter was very quiet and my son was very quiet at school because they lacked in their confidence instead of nurturing that they they were ignored so any child with any conditions with you know a, a, a mental health disorder or condition you know how they struggle in schools is 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 unbelievable and it's it needs to be more supported yeah i said definitely i mean my son said to me the other week they did like uh you know when it's anti-bullying day um and he said to me oh like anti-bullying day they allowed everybody to go in um in like their own clothes dressing what they want and he says if anything the bullying on that day was worse than what it is but then he said to me why is it just meant why is it just like so say for example mental health week or anti-bullying day he says why ain't it all the time yeah do you know why not every day i don't understand yeah. it and i was like you know what that's that's a question that a lot of us ask you know yeah. i understand like it's certain days to kind of like to you know because it's kind of like a focal point for a day yeah. sometimes if it's every if it's every day sometimes it can get lost in translation slightly yeah. but um i suppose it's just how you introduce that really at the end of the day so the way we normally end these mel is i normally ask okay. if um if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who's listening now um and they're going through things you know what would be your one little nugget of advice that you give to them um to hopefully um, if they can to talk, start to, like, making that first step in talking to somebody about what's going on. It's that first step is so so important. It's the hardest thing to do. Um, but once you've done it, it's it's life changing. Um, whatever we have got going on within, you know, will manifest if we don't talk about it. Um, whether that is for a friend or a colleague at work or someone a stranger on the internet talk about it um because you, you you know people will understand and, and people will get it you know mel honestly thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure everybody please check mel out on instagram it's at men against mountains uh just the content in there the video content every day there's something on there which is nice and inspiring so get yourselves on there and check that out and you know give the page a like support um but Mel, thanks so much for coming on. Um, and, and everyone else, I will see you on the next podcast.